The Sisters Grimm podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Please listen at your own discretion. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. The most notorious serial killer in the nation, the Light Stalker. The Boston Strangler. The Son of Sam. The infamous Zodiac Killer. What's your favorite scary movie? Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome to Sisters Grim Podcast. How'd you do this? Welcome to this week's episode of the Sisters Grim Podcast. I'm Morgan Freeberg. And squawking at you right now is Holly Freeberg. Okay. Um, this episode is... We're back together. Oh, yeah, no, Morgan's not on a Google Hangout anymore. No, we are in person staring right in each other's eyeballs. Yeah, Morgan's eyes are, like, very blue-green. Well, I'm also, like, the sun is pointing at me. You're being backlit, so I can, like, see you, but, you know, it's, like, dark. Cool. So that's what's going on here. (laughs) So this episode is about the Starved Rock Murders. Yes. Which is a local uh, murder. True crime story from the 60s. Uh, And local to us. Because uh, Starve Rock National Park, no, Starve well, Rock here's State a little, Park. Well, uh, here's a little brief history of Starve Rock State Park. It's located in Utica, Illinois, which is, what, like not even 10 miles away from Ottawa, which is where we live and have it's grown up. It's a little drive. Um, it's, character- it's characterized by its many canyons. It is also the most frequented state park in Illinois, and it is located on the south bank of the Illinois River. I think that it is the most visited because no one else knows that, about the other ones that are like right there. Yeah, and so they're like, well, and it's beautiful. I mean, it is gorgeous. But I it was say, um, meth- it was created because of a huge flood that happened after like a like a ice cap melted or something like that, like thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah, really long yeah. time. Yeah, ago. no, yeah. Canyons are created over a span of thousands of years. And the really cool thing about um, Starbuck, uh, and this kind of comes into the play of the story, is that um, it's it's sandstone, and so it's yeah. pretty porous. Oh yeah, and crumbly. And crumbly. Yeah, if you like touch it, it crumbles. Yeah, and like punks carve like. Beth was here. Yeah, and, dumb stuff. And um, it's not good to do that because it literally like thousands of years made this. I know. So like, there's also really really dope um, waterfalls. Yeah, it's just a very beautiful place. It's gorgeous, and I mean we like to go hiking there. But I'm not gonna lie, especially now as I've gotten a little older, I'm much more uh, wary of going by myself just because of it. I mean some. Shit has gone down there beyond just what we're going to talk about well, today. Well, I would never in a million years go to... Okay, just kidding. Maybe I did. But I would never go to... Um, I would never go to St. Louis Canyon by myself. I have. I used to all the time with Tuesday. We'd go on walks. I never thought twice were there other, about it. Were there other people down there, though? Sometimes. Sometimes not. You would go all the way down there? Because it is a long walk. It's a really long walk till you actually get to even like the trail. Yeah, I mean I have for sure. I mean it wasn't like my everyday one, but Yeah, that one 
that one I would say is probably the hardest to get to. Yeah, it's definitely like strenuous. Because I've obviously been out there a ton with like friends and there's stuff. There's one trail in, one trail out. Yeah. It's pretty steep, pretty narrow. So, um another history of how Starve Rock got its name, which is also kind of a crazy True crime story, It's there's no actual like fact-based information on it. It's kind of lore, but in the 1760s-ish, cool, <laughs> the cool, cool. Il- Illinek or Illini tribe were under attack by the Ottawa and the Padawatomi. Yeah, we're sorry, but like, yeah. Yeah, that's Padawatomi it. tribes. Uh, um, and it said that the Ottawa tribe specifically wanted to enact revenge because their leader, Pontiac, was murdered. And so they sought out the help of the Padawatomi tribe. The Ottawas were savage. They were. They were classy, bougie, ratchet. ratchet. <laughs> um, so they forced the Illini tribe onto a rock fortress otherwise known as a butte, which is basically um, a more narrow mesa, if you are aware of, oh, of okay. those. Well, okay. so what's a mesa? It's kind of like a plateau, but like higher. Okay, you just keep saying we're... What's you don't a plateau? know. Did you not is take, that... like, you know, science and social studies classes? I took a geology class in college, and that's how I learned about the Starved Rock Stones. Also, I went there. They, they're like flat-topped mountains, but okay, they're not yeah, mountains. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I know. Okay, I thought other people might know what a mesa was, Holly, because I did. <laughs> I didn't know what a butte was, but I knew, I knew what a mesa was. So wait, mesa, buttes, and plateaus are basically all the same thing? They're similar. Cool. Um. So the Ottawa... And the Padawatomi tribe left, basically like left them up there to starve to death because they knew that they didn't have very many resources. And so that's kind of how the legend goes. But then the Europeans ended up running out the Ottawa anyways. So Yeah. But so that's the bloody history behind Starve Rock and its name. Again, there's no real evidence behind any of this happening, but it is There's no evidence. No. Cool. (laughs) Okay, for sure, for sure. It happened in the 1760s. Okay, but, like, also so did, like, a lot of things that we have knowledge of. Yeah, no, I feel you, but, like, I don't think there's, like, hard evidence. I gotcha, I gotcha. Cool, so that's what I've got for that. Cool, so we are... A little history lesson with the sisters today. So we're gonna jump from... Sometime in the 1700s. 1760 is, like, the time that it is alleged... So, so we're jumping 200, 200 years, years later. later to 1960. Specifically, March 14th, 1960. So Lillian Oding, Francis Murphy, and Mildred Lindquist. Uh, Lillian was 50, Francis was 47, and Mildred was also 50. They lived up in Riverside. Which is kind of by Oak Park. Yeah. It's a suburb of Chicago. Of the where West one of my of weed dealers used to live. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Not going to say your name. <laughs> <laughs> She had great dogs. Um, so, any who's yeah. So, they decided they were going to go on a four-day vacation at Starve Rock State Park, which is, like Morgan said, in Utica, Illinois. So, they, like, wanted to have, like, you know, a nice little... Winter, Fun little girls trip. Little gil, a little girl trip. A little girls trip! Uh, Lillian, um, she, uh, her husband had a couple months prior had a heart attack. His name was George. And so, she had been, like taking care of him like hardcore so her family was like Lillian you like deserve to like go have some fun baby yes. girls um and these women were very prominent because 
their husbands were very proud. Yeah, of so their hu- a big thing that should also be like known about this case is that yeah they were from pretty like well off Chicago families of pretty well known and like well respected yeah. and men. they knew they had a lot of like ties which we'll like talk about yeah. later. Um, so they drove, I believe it was Lillian's gray station wagon mm-hmm. down, and they parked it at the lodge. And they uh, they were, arrived, had some lunch. Yeah, they got and then adjoining they rooms. Immediately set off. Yeah. And so... Didn't even unpack their suitcases. No, they did. They went up to their room, and they unpacked, and they, like, freshened up a little oh, bit. Oh, I read that their suitcases, what was weird when they found their stuff is that they hadn't been unpacked at all. Huh. That's something I read. I will say, with this case, there is a lot of... Hearsay and slight well, misinformation. Yeah, like yeah. I'll I'll get to an example, but uh, that could be. Is it the one about the guy saying he saw them when he didn't? Oh no, that must be something. Yeah, one of the, so we can get to that. We'll too. get to that yeah. when it happens. So any whoozle. Um. So yeah, like Morgan said, they ate at the lodge and uh, immediately set out for St. Louis, which I would say is probably like. The closest canyon to the actual lodge itself. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like I said before, there's one path to get in and out of St. Louis Canyon. You walk down a very narrow path, and at the bottom, you know, it's like wall to wall with waterfalls and caves. But they also went during the winter. Well, which it was is kind of March. Yeah, and, but it was snowy. Right, because in 1960 there was a nor'easter. Yo, so this, so I've been watching Fargo. I just finished the first two seasons and reading all of this, like, kind of gave me, because those, that show takes place always in, like, the winter in Minnesota. So it's like. Do they talk a lot about nor'easters? Um, no, because it hasn't, no, but, like, they talk about crazy storms that happen. Like, there was a crazy storm in 2006. Yeah. Apparently, as well. It's probably a nor'easter. So. What is a nor'easter? <laughs> it's. Because I remember it happens in the asylum season of American Horror Story. Yeah, it's something that I think happens on the West Coast, or East Coast, rather, but I think it can affect us. Kind of like El Nino. I could okay. be 100% fucking wrong. But yeah, so even but, though it was March, it was very, very snowy. Yes. Um, Which, like, personally, I never go hiking when it's really snowy, so, like, fucking shout out to these ladies. Right. I wouldn't. And they had, like, 1960s footwear and stuff Galoshes. they were very cute i saw a lot of pictures and they pictures were very cute they were so cute they were so cute i don't know which one it is but she like had sunglasses and like a little sh- like yeah no the glasses during this time were super iconic her sunglasses were like all of the adorbs. photos all the women are wearing just cat eyes and yeah so lillian had promised to call her husband george that night to let them know that they were safe but she never called mm-hmm. he called the lodge's switchboard was unable to get through my guess would be because someone put the wrong wire in the wrong yeah. thing it seemed like switchboards seem like very hit and miss and i think that it is further illustrated because george called again tuesday night because he still hadn't heard from him but again was unsuccessful so um i think that like this is like i said i think that's a phone operator's fault because uh he called over and over and over again. And then Monday morning, he even called his brother mm-hmm. and asked him to start calling. And he couldn't get through either. And that was whose husband? George is Lillian's husband. Okay, so cool. it's George Oding. Um, and so then George called Francis and Mildred's husbands, who had also been unsuccessfully trying to get a hold of their mm-hmm. wives. So on March 16th, 
which was two days after, um, Francis's husband, Robert, got in contact with Chicago police and told him, and the police told him someone to get in touch with at the Ottawa Police Department. Mm-hmm. And so he, the coming, trickling down from Chicago made the local Ottawa and the surrounding area police kind of be like, well, yeah, let's fucking see what happens. Yeah, that's what, especially because they were such, like I said, prominent men. Uh-huh. So they felt like, well, we can't just ignore this. Right. Also, I don't know if you have this in your notes, but on March 15th, um, Chester, who we will later find is... Chester Weger. Yeah. He came to into work at the lodge because he was a cook there and he had scratches on his face. Yes. I did read that uh, several employees there said that that had happened. Yeah. And he claims that at the time of when everything happened that he was writing letters at the lodge. Really? Throwing that in there. I read that there's so much stuff. Okay. So um, anyway, so people started finally searching and the search party was pretty big. And for some fucking reason, they asked the kids at a the, the Illinois Youth Commission forestry camp to help look for Yeah, I mean, dead they were bodies. really putting, like, all, and they found all men them. on. Yeah. I mean, they weren't hidden, really. I mean, they, like, were, but not somewhere that would be hard to find. No. I have photos. I do, too. Okay, cool. Or I've seen them. Um, so, yeah, they found the bodies of the women in one of the caves... Francis and Lillian had both been tied up and all three women had been bludgeoned to death Mm -hmm. and their skirts were pulled up to their neck and they'd been stripped naked from the waist down. Uh, But because of the freezing temperatures, they were never to be able to fully tell if there was like any like sexual assault. Yeah. Because of the weather. Right. Um, Also, I read that um, two of them were tied together and then one of them was left like just tied to herself. That. There's a that's why there's like so much yeah. misinformation. This is, so I got a, my information partially from a Chicago Tribune article. Same. Um from this other website um a newspaper from that's like down in Champaign-Urbana uh-huh. and the actual court opinion that sentenced him, uh-huh. which is obviously what uh is the most accurate, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and so no. I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to it. But <clears throat> so the women's bodies were taken to a funeral home in Ottawa to perform autopsies. And it showed that these skulls had been severely fractured and they had brain damage. And like, they'd been hit each of them, like over a hundred times. They said. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but, um, like you said, the pathologists were not able to confirm whether or not the woman had been raped. Like you said, the weather. And also, they just didn't have the way to test mm-hmm. them the way that we do now. So, there were a lot of struggles during this investigation. Firstly, because they had nothing else to base this off of. Because nothing yeah. like this had ever happened before in this area. And, like we said before, it was winter. And it had snowed, like, eight inches. Mm-hmm. And everything was, like frozen frozen and like i was saying before because the canyons are made out of sandstone water comes through them and so like there's just huge ass chunks of ice Mm -hmm. and so they um so the police actually had to take flamethrowers out to the location 
to find evidence, which seems kind of dangerous to uh, me. Yeah. But um, it was like fucking just salad ice. And they found a branch that had blood on it and uh, wood fragments had been found like in the women's skulls. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. They found binoculars and a camera belonging. I believe they belonged to Lillian. And they also had blood on them. They also found film in the camera and developed the pictures. And this particular camera, I learned, had this uh, glitch where it was incredibly easy to have a double exposed or even possibly a triple exposed picture. Interesting. And so there was this one picture in question where it looked like the women had like taken a picture of their killer before he killed them. Whoa. But... You, when you look at the picture, it's very, very obvious that it is like it had been triple exposed. It looks, it doesn't look like a man. It looks like a weird version of like two of the women standing next to each other. Mm, Okay. That makes sense. Because, like, I was looking at it, and I'm like... Well, yeah, I came... Weird. So I came home last night, and Holly just had, like, crime scene photos circled. <laughs> just, like, everywhere, like, spread around the living room. Well, yeah, because I, like, brought it into, like, Photoshop and changed the contrast <laughs> so I could, like, see faces and stuff. I'm like, am I on CSI yet? Oh, my gosh. Um, So, but they, like, had this huge, like, town hall meeting... All of these like police officers being like, there's a dude in that picture. And then other people were like, no, there is not a dude in that right. picture. Um, and the pictures were like cute. They were like them like standing yes. like, you know, with scenery, like in their cute little bonnets. You can tell it's that like really Lillian was probably like, Mildred, like, I want to take a picture of like how nice it is. Or actually, I picture like the one lady being like, oh, you're taking a picture of that. Let me be in it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so... Police said that the person in the picture, the people who thought that it was a dude in it, said he was like 5'9", about 160 pounds. So that was the type of person that they were looking for. Which is interesting. Yes. An interesting way to go about things. I agree. But um, police seemed to do a lot of things a little weirdly back then. Mm-hmm. So all of the Star of Rock Lodge employees were questioned. And later, Chicago police came down to give polygraph tests to employees who were possible suspects after being spoken to the first time. And so one suspect that they had, and this is the first time I'd ever heard of, like, I didn't know, like, a super bunch about the case, like, as much as I do now. But right. I knew enough. But I, like... I never knew that there were other suspects just oh, yeah. because everyone thinks it was Uyghur. So one suspect was a bakery truck driver who had been seen near the entrance of the canyon on the day that the women were murdered and investigators found twine similar to what Lillian had mm-hmm. been or Lillian and Francis rather had been tied up with. There was also a salesman who was giving a polygraph test because he said he had seen the three women talking to two men in a blue and white Chevy parked near the entrance. And this blue and white Chevy comes oh, wait, up another, a lot. Another thing we never got back to, uh-huh. and I don't like loose ends, is that one of the times when Lillian's husband called, he, I think it was the second day, he called and someone was like, oh, yeah, well, we saw them at breakfast this morning, even though they obviously hadn't seen them at breakfast that morning. Right. So, like, that was also a, another reason maybe that, like, the search didn't start as quick because I guess he was like, OK, well, if they saw them at lunch, obviously, like, they're there. But, like, why isn't she calling me? That's very strange. Right. So I think he even though got that, like, information, he didn't, like, care. He was still like, where's my wife? Right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but at the same time, like, people think that the police, like, took too long mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, um, because, like, one, they finally found the women. They, like, saw their car in the uh, parking lot, and it was, like, covered in snow. Yeah, and they could tell that it hadn't moved because of the snow. Snow was helpful right. in that way. Right. Because you and can I mean, tell. like, maybe, like, they wouldn't have gone anywhere. You got everything you need right there at the lodge. And I don't well, yeah. know what was going on in Utica at the time, but I'm guessing they didn't have what they have now. Which isn't even which much. Which isn't even very much <laughs> now. It is It's okay. Yeah. So, um, they also tested a busboy from the lodge who had been fired for being drunk on the job, a bait shop owner-operator who warned his employees not to talk to investigators, and a young stable hand who went missing from his home near the park on Monday and didn't return until after the women's bodies had been found. But they all took lie detector tests and they passed. But we know how reliable lie detector tests are. I was going to say, I rewatched Basic Instincts yesterday. <laughs> Ice pit. There's a lot of uh, fooling uh, polygraph? polygraph tests in that movie. Well, Morgan, I didn't know if you knew this, but I didn't. I didn't know that there was like different polygraph techniques. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them. Interesting. There's like a bunch of them. So around this time, a new method had been developed in Chicago. And this is what they used for these Star Rock murders. And knowing that there's so many different techniques. Was this before or after polygraph tests were considered admissible in court? This. Because now they are. This would have been inadmissible. Okay. Even at the time, I think. Um, so there was also another suspect that was like a man from the LaSalle area who was described as a physically powerful and vicious sexual degenerate. And there's yeah. also a accused burglar who was free on bond and two of his accomplices from Chicago said that they'd helped him hide guns in the canyon. Interesting. What if you were down there and just found guns? That would have been weird. I'd be like, this is weird. Um, So... Let's see. But again, those. There was also. Well, they also were saying that Wager matched the description of an assailant who had reportedly bound a teenage girl with twine and raped her in a nearby park. Oh, yeah. Before all of this happened. Yes. So there were like some similarities that were at least like the tying up things. Well, so yeah, what Morgan's talking about happened six months prior to the murder. There was a couple and they were having a picnic at Matheson State Park. Which is right, like, across the street, basically, yeah, from yeah, Star yeah, Rock. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like the Zodiac things, it, kind this of. This story reminds me exactly of the Zodiac. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, they were approached by um, a guy, supposedly, uh, allegedly a uh, Wigger, um, who had a gun, and he tied them up and threatened to kill them, and then he raped the young woman, but... Didn't kill them. No. When the couple went to the police to report it, the police were like questioning them and asking them like very inappropriate personal questions. And then eventually we're just like, leave, mm. like get out of here. We don't even believe you. Huh. And so that makes me kind of like, huh? Yeah. Um, hmm. There also had been a string of women who were saying that their purses had been snatched while they were out, like having a picnic. Yeah. There were a lot of like things happening in and the police Rock, like bad. Never took it shit. seriously. And they victim blamed the women mm-hmm. for not looking after their purses better. Idiots. So just to further illustrate how little law enforcement cared, further, a I was reading that a ranger was walking like through the like Starve Rock or something, found a woman's purse, 
Like there was nothing really in it. And then he just threw it back into like what? the bush. What an idiot. Yeah. That's the 19 fucking 60s for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, let's see. Where so, I mean, Wigger did fail quite a few lie detector tests. Yes. Over the months. And I think all of the other people didn't. Yes. Um, so, also, another thing that uh, that's not um, what, coherent or it's not like this, not things that are different. <laughs> things that don't line up. Yes. Conflicting information. Cool. Um, so... One article I read described Wager as husky. Another uh, not. described him as slight, and another as lanky, which is how I would describe him. Another yeah. one described him as stocky. No. So no. I mean, he's like medium build. He's. I would say he was. He's slight and lanky. I mean, you know. So anyway, so yeah, um, he was given polygraph tests and he failed. He actually passed his first one. Yeah, he passed the first one, but then, like, failed all the rest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also willingly gave police a buckskin jacket that he had that had bloodstains on it. Uyghur was a hunter. Yeah. And so I read this is Who also- wasn't at this time? So the, this jacket is ridiculous. There's a lot of bullshit that ha- so happened because of it. So much conflicting shit. So there was an article I read that said that the blood on the jacket was human blood and that it matched- the blood types of one of the women. I read another article that said that it was human blood, but they were unable to determine whether or not it was uh, right. one of the women. I found I heard some on another thing that it was animal blood. But <coughs> like I said, I read uh, the Daily Illini from Champaign-Urbana, uh, and this is an article from 1961 that was written during the trial. And it said that an FBI agent testified that he had found bloodstains on the jacket, but because of the tanning process the jacket went through, he was unable to establish whether the blood was human or animal. Interesting. And so also, like I said, I read the final opinion um, given by the court um, in the People versus Wager, and it mentions the jacket, but it says absolutely nothing about whether or not it was blood by a human or an animal. Interesting. So I feel like that's the best information to go with. Um, And then also, quick jump ahead to 2004, DNA testing was performed, but uh, it had all been tampered with by that point. So they were unable. It had been really fucked with, which I will get into when we get there. Cool. Um, So then they finally contacted the poor woman that they had, like, literally like he screamed to get out of the station when she was just trying to tell them and then they're finally were like oh well we actually need your help now and so they showed her pictures and she picked out wager Uh um and that was enough for um them to put like a 24-hour watch on yeah, they started like literally like uh, surveil him. yeah sur- surveilling him yeah mm-hmm. and they did that for about a month so the man who was in charge of the investigation was Harlan uh, Warren and he was the district attorney at the time and it's very uncommon for district state attorneys to like they're usually given they like delegate the cases like mm-hmm. they don't like he took a personal uh, like interest in this um but he was also running for re-election probably again because of the well-known men that they were married to. I'm exactly. sure that's why. Yeah, exactly. So that's why this case got so much attention. Whereas that other oh, girl who yeah. just came in to give her 
Well, got turned away, you know? A lot of... A local girl. Yeah. Well, a lot of other information I got, which I feel like is super... I feel like any news clips that, like, happened at the time when it happened are pretty accurate. And uh, so I was, like, listening to news clips from the 60s from, like, NBC and CBS. Um, And so, anyways, so this dude who was, like, ahead of the investigation, he was up for re-election and they had to put a pause on, like, whether, like, before they were going to arrest him. But he did not want people to think that he was using this case to win. Um, however, because the case was so bungled already, he lost. And mm-hmm. so he went back to the case. And although he didn't have a whole lot of evidence, he arrested Uyghur on the rape charges. And Uyghur was brought to the station and was questioned about the rapes as well as the murders, which he denied being part of. So he was interrogated for hours. He said he was threatened by the police. And so he confessed. But apparently then, like, a bunch of people were, like, called into the room. Well, and also you can tell, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, none of us know for sure. But there's certain things that police, like, like certain details that it's like, I'm sure he didn't notice this at all, and I'm sure that the police gave him this information. Oh, Morgan. Because I'm 100% on One your of side. the things specifically was that, like, he saw a red and white plane fly over that day. Yes. Red and Who white. Who would notice that when you're murdering somebody? I mean, well, let's be real. So getting, okay, so that's also, like, that and the coat, those were, like, two of the big things that, like, got him. So he said that. He saw this red and white plane, um, and he thought it was the police, and so he... um, Is that how the police were doing stuff back in the 60s? I don't know. Well, we won't see, because that doesn't make sense. So maybe it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't think it makes any sense. And so then, that's why he put the women in the canyons, is at least what he said. And then they went to the Ottawa airport found that airplane and looked at the fly log and saw that it had been flying in that area um, around the time of the murders. And they were like, got him. But it's like, Uyghur says that he was told all of that information. And I don't, and they're like, well, the airport wasn't interviewed by investigators until after he said it. And it's like, okay, I don't really believe you because you turned away a woman who said she was raped. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and also, like, he said that, like, they were threatening him with a gun, and they kept, like... Well, they kept th- saying, like, they were going to put him in the electric, electric chair. chair. Yeah, yeah that was the talk- big thing, is they kept the being thing. like, do you want to see the electric chair, or do you want to get life? Exactly. And yeah. so then, so then he confessed. Yeah, he said at first he was just trying to rob them, and then killed them. Well, so he said, um... Let's see. Hold on. I have it. So he said that he found the woman and he tried grabbing what he thought was Francis's purse. Yeah. But it ended up being her camera and the strap broke. And so then he got scared and was like, please don't tell anyone. I'm just going to go away. And they're like, fine. And so he went back to them and tied them up, put them in the cave. And then Uyghur said that at this point, killing the woman was not something he was planning on doing. He just wanted to rob them. Right. But one of the women... Um, tried fleeing, and so he hit her in the head with a branch. Um, And then he killed the other two women because... He had killed the first one. Because he'd killed the first one. Um, But, like you said, the interrogation tactics 
were horrible. Like they I mean, well, it went like, on how for do you hours. go from just gonna rob them to oops I killed one to oops I'll kill all three and I mean, then most likely sexually assault them because their dresses were pulled up. Well uh he says that the reason that their clothes were that way was because he wanted to make it look like a sex maniac had mm-hmm. done it. Which is like so you, I just think that's to me I can picture them, and like I said, this is just, like, my personal, like, speculation on it, but I can totally see, like, cops being, like, if you didn't rape them, then why were their clothes like this? Yeah. Why were their clothes like this? And then someone who, like, didn't rape somebody or have sex with someone, uh, like, after they were dead, which is still rape, like, I don't know. It's just a little weird. And so then, um, after he confessed, uh, they had, like, a court reporter come in and like type out the confession and uh he signed it but then he later was like i didn't do it but oh yeah he fully like took back his thing and he says that they were offering him deals but they were also threatening him and um but before that he he was afraid and that's why he was coerced into yeah right or so i mean we don't know so he also was taken to St. Louis Canyon to do a reenactment yeah. of it. And I saw, like, news footage of it. And it was yeah, freaking crazy. And so, um, where did I write that down? So he says that, like, while he was reenacting it, he said that the police had already fed him information, like, where to go and what to do. But there is speculation from people who were present that say that Wager was, like, leading them and, like, he was running it and, like, he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he also said that on the morning of the murders, he saw the plane. We already talked about that. So then we get to the trial, which began in November of 1960. The prosecutors... Which is fast. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Or I thought it was, um, yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, and the prosecutors had never tried a murder case before. Mm-hmm. And uh, their evidence was from testimonies who had worked at the lodge, the plane thing, the bl- coat thing, or whatever. And so originally Uyghur was indicted on all three murders, but the prosecutors decided to only file charges for one of the murders. Which is interesting. Um, Well, it was in the event of a mistrial or an acquittal. Mm -hmm. So that way, if he was, uh, it was a mistrial or if he was acquitted, they could go back and charge him with the other murders. That's smart. Um, They really wanted the death penalty. I also read that they barred his three-year-old daughter from being able to come because she was so cute. so cute. Well, yeah, so he... And thought it would make, the, it would, like, sway the jury. the jury. Yeah, well, that was a big thing. They think that, because they wanted the death penalty, but because his wife and his, like, inhumanly beautiful children, apparently, right. were sitting behind him every time, like, uh, it's, it would be hard to, like, say you're going to kill someone right in front of, like, their babies, you yeah. know? So... On March 3rd, 1961, Wager's 22nd birthday, he was found guilty and was subsequently sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was up for parole like dozens of times and he was denied. Um, So there are like 
many questions that people have like regarding whether or not you know was it him I think a big one is the fact that he was slighter and the women were like you know full-figured women and like for like a one person to do it Mm -hmm. I think casts reasonable doubt interesting like you think there's no way it could have been just one guy I mean actually knowing what I know you never know. I mean, but you still never know. But I mean, that is sort of a reason. Also, um, a lot of people think that the evidence that was used to convict him obviously would not stand up in court today. Um, and because his the prosecution, it was mostly on his confession, which he later recanted. Yeah. And and wrote an autobiography while he was in yeah, jail. Yeah. Um, it also predated the Miranda rights warning that are required Mm, today interesting i didn't Mm -hmm. know that Mm -hmm. so um so in 2004 so obviously he's in jail this whole time and uh, in 2004 dna testing on the items including his coat and hair that was found in one of the victim's fists was contaminated because they were like transferring the evidence and they put it in the same bag together so, of course, his coat is then going to have her DNA all over it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read So that, that happened. They, um, uh, prosecutors allowed school groups, civics clubs, and student journalists to handle and examine the evidence, which is kind of, I think, how that all happened. Um, in 2007... Uh, he uh, requested um, clemency from Rod Blagojevich, to which he denied. And, and then, we all know how great of a person Blagojevich is. Right. And so then in December of 2016, he was the third longest inmate in state prison in Illinois and was denied parole again um, with an 11 to 2 vote. Um, and then in November of 2018, he fell one vote short. I just said that with a weird accent. Vote. You've been watching a lot of Fargo. I have. One vote short of winning his release. And then the next year, November of 2019, he was granted parole on his 24th attempt with a 9-4 to vote. And then February 13th, 2020 of this year, right before everything went on lockdown, he was released from prison. Um, They did try to delay the release. Actually, uh, Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul, who I've met and is a lovely man, Um, They sought to have him evaluated under the state's Sexually Violent Persons Commitment Act, which basically means that if someone committed such a sexually violent act that they are not able to be paroled, basically, but um, they weren't able to basically say that he fell under that kind of category of an event, especially because there was no way to prove whether or not he had sexually assaulted them in any way. So right. that was not done. And then February 21st of 2020, he was released from Pickneyville Correctional Center. Yeah. After 16 years. That was years. another thing that was incredibly, wickedly... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like where where he was sent to jail? Well, because he, he started in Statesville. Well, he, no, he started at the oh, Joliet prison, which is where which is where John Gacy John Wayne was, was and killed. Then they, that closed down in two thousand and two. And then he went to Statesville, right? No, and then he went to 
either this he was held at Statesville penitenti- penitentiary for like a second at least. Probably. I don't know. I also heard another one. So here's what my like take on all of this. Yeah, Holly has a strong opinion, whereas I just I have no idea. Well, I'm not gonna say I do. I'm not gonna say I, I don't. don't. Well, no, I mean I don't know either, but that's exactly it. I think that there is enough reasonable doubt that he shouldn't have been found guilty. I think that all of it. I mean, yeah. I think that there they catch. There's a lot of there's reasonable so much, doubt. and also now he's like 80 years old, and he is still like trying to appeal his innocence. Yeah. And you know what? Someone who is that old and who has been paroled, like, why? Like, he's he wants to clear his name. Yeah. That sounds like someone, who, to me, that sounds like I someone mean, who wants to clear his oops, name. Right after he, like, gave his confession or whatever, and as soon as he, you know, then he just forever was saying that he was innocent. Like, he never went back on it, ever. And I, I do feel like it is the general consensus, consensus from everyone that, I've heard in Ottawa, they don't think he did it. Yeah. A lot of people. Which is scary because that means the person who did do it. And it's fucking sad that he spent 60 years. To think that two thirds of his life were spent in jail if he. And like his children's entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. And they were apparently very cute. Very cute. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, so that has been the Starbuck murders. It has. So it's a bummer. It's a real sad story. Yeah, it's... technically the other two women did not get justice. Ever. No. It never even got brought up. And also, so they they first brought him in on that girl's rape charges, but then once they got him in for that and they started working on the other stuff, they her charges just got dropped and nothing ever came from that either because they waited too long. And apparently from the arrest of something and having to actually, like, act on that arrest was just never done so that girl never got justice either it really do seem like the police just wanted that one loud chicago guy to like not be silenced but to like get his ending or whatever you know uh-huh like I his justice completely agree yeah that's I what it kind of seemed like they were agree. their only interest was yeah they just wanted to make it seem like they were doing something when uh they weren't. They dropped the ball. And I think that there's I think they dropped a the ball. thousand percent. If I was in that jury, I would not. Because I wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. If you have any reasonable doubt, then you just can't. And, yeah. And I have reasonable doubt. And uh, We would never be allowed <laughs> on any murder jury. Probably not. We well, would probably, no. because of this podcast, well, not be allowed to. I mean, uh... Maybe I wonder. I've wondered that too. But I mean, we have we would have no bias towards. We would actually be really good at it. Well, I know, but they but would like, try to keep us off. I don't think they so. don't like having opinionated people on juries like that. Really, they want people that are just so nooch. <laughs> yeah, they want nooch which peeps. I get. You know, I totally get that too. Anyway, so that's been. So it's still October, baby. Woohoo! We should be getting one more episode out before the spooky season is up. Yeah, ten days from now, it's Halloween. And then it's Christmas time. I cannot wait to put my Christmas tree up, fam. You sounded like in sync. Good. <laughs> Not Justin Timberlake. In the entirety of the band. Uh-huh. I had all of the the different you voices. Were Lance Bass. You were 
JC Shabbos. So I was a little bit Justin Timberlake. Yeah, but like, I think. I was Chris Kirkpatrick. And Joey Fat One. Stop. So that's been the Sisters Grim podcast. Please rate and review us on a, uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. We should also get on Spotify, Holly. Why not? Let's We're going to try it. to get on Spotify, you guys. Even though I think majority of y'all listen on, uh, you know, iTunes. But we want to be accessible for everybody. Yes. I'm just talking. That's okay. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.